1: Of fun. At least not we're live. Come on it course.
0: is Friday, it's January fourteenth, two thousand 5.03 p.m. We are three minutes late today because there are six of us, actually seven if you count, count <laughs> Luke, uh, oh, no. who will be leading off the questioning today. Scott has the monologue, and he has a very important announcement to make.
1: But wait a second, why is it, uh, it uh, what, Alicia's here, like you guys weren't, you guys weren't joking when you were, said I was fired earlier.
0: No, we were not joking. Uh, we were, however, lying. Um, okay. Yes. Okay. Alicia is here because uh, uh, she is uh, thinking about becoming a co-host on In lieu of Fun, uh, because we, you know, uh, we need more international diversity here, and uh, so uh, we thought uh, Southern Ontario was really the the, the, the way to expand our, our regional diversity.
2: Break the Americans <laughs> in, not too different, but
3: similar.
0: exactly, exactly. Love Canadians.
1: I'm a Canadian. I'm a Canadianophile. I really do love Canada and its people.
0: So we, we, I, I suggested that Alicia take a day of the week and she wanted to try it out. So I said, come join on Friday and, uh, and uh, see if you're into it and uh, meet the Greek chorus. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've got five co-hosts today plus Luke, um, who will uh, occasionally deliver himself of a primal scream. Uh, and, um, uh, and we'll of course ask questions, but Scott, you have the monologue today.
1: Yeah. Um, um, thank you. So I, this, this is, uh, I wanted to announce this nano project, um, which is, um, not about nanotechnology. It's just a small project, a really small project. <laughs> um, and it, it's not like actually a project but it is it is. A... anyway, so, um, is it a tweet, what? Scott? Is it just a tweet? <laughs> no, 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 It's, it's, no, I, there's a, so I, I, it actually was prompted. This nano project was prompted by you, Kate, because, um, in the, the tip jar, which, uh, we set up for in lieu of fun, um, it was, it was said you could only, uh, you could only do it in Bitcoin. Yeah. 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 And so it was Bit- I, and so- Bitcoin
3: and Venmo. Those were like the so- only options.
1: So I was like, you know, I, I mean, I, I teach about Bitcoin, but like abstractly. But I was like, I've actually never bought Bitcoin. I have. Um, uh, you have? Okay. But so one of the things is we put up a poll. Please um, vote. Um, fill out uh, the poll
0: what... uh, truthfully, preferably.
1: Yes. Thank um, you. Yeah. Um, it's just, but it's just a preference. Um, the 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 so I want to do is open a cryptocurrency account. And buy Bitcoin and then um, and then um, uh, t- uh, take a tweet and then um, sell uh, s- uh, um, make an nFT out of it, pay with it with Bitcoin and do it all and just show it how it's like how it works just live tweet it like how it goes just a thread of um, of uh, like this is how it works here you can see it's on the blockchain here you can see. You know, um, and when you and when you
0: sell the NFT, are you going to uh, donate the proceeds of it to in lieu of fun?
1: Absolutely, that is that is so the because it's going was, to be
0: really valuable. The NFT of your well, well Bitcoin donation to right.
1: Well, but the thing is, um, we'll be able to track it all, not just by my telling you it, but by looking at the blockchain.
0: That's right, that, uh, we and will to, be able to, to to see. Do that.
1: Right, but but like you can describe this to people, but um, but to actually I've never done it. And so I want to lot tweet about it, but it's not that big a deal. That's why it's a nano project, uh, okay? <laughs> uh, look, it's not that big a deal guys. I mean, look, it's just a small thing, but I, look, I think it'll be we, fun.
0: We are not allowed to have fun anymore.
1: Uh, but
0: the result is that we take up all kinds of nano projects uh like this one and like having scott anderson on the show to talk about seditious conspiracy and so let's start with the really important question how many yale law grads were indicted for seditious conspiracy yesterday
4: at least one we it could be more i don't know where the other 10 guys went to law school we'll have to look into that quite possible so uh was he in your class? He was not in my class. He was he was well, I think a decade ahead of me. But evidently he was a Steve Loddick's, uh small group uh, co member. Wait,
1: when, do, when oh, did when wow. did you, really? I'm sorry, when did yeah. you graduate?
4: I was oh. twenty ten, and I think he would have been. I think Steve oh. was two thousand four ish, maybe, or mm-hmm. you're give or two other directions. So i would be in that zone. He wrote like a uh, a long uh, SAW for Owen Fist that I found on the internet about a military commission. So. So did he take your classes, that any of your perfect. classes, Scott?
1: Well, um, uh, he only took one. Uh, one on was there an obligation to obey the law, um, <laughs> and he he wrote a really excellent paper. Um, uh, no, no, I don't. I, I, I had nothing to do with him. What um, is law? What? You no. Know, so th- that's a that's a great it's question. Keep, keeping um, your oath yeah no i know can i can i just say something like there was uh, so many people contracts like con contacted me about about the fact as if like i was being owned by <laughs> by the fact, that, yeah. the, the fact that this guy went to yeah law school where i Hopefully where i happen to teach now right well yeah. um well uh one year before i was there but like really i, I it's not my fault but there was a like, <laughs> like in your face, you know. Uh, what, did you get any the... shit? Did you get oh, any? Of course, <laughs> <laughs>
4: of course. But he's also not like the only wireless insurrectionist. We also have Josh and Ted yeah. and a good yeah. other crew. So really, no, it's just no, a, no, it's a no. Club.
3: Ted, 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 isn't wireless. Isn't Ted HLS? I, thought
4: I, a, I thought he was a wireless guy. Maybe I'm wrong about that. No, we got Ted. You. Is no, HLS. You know, whatever.
1: No, he's H L S.
0: So I, I just want to raise. The, the question that's on everybody's mind about this, which is if Yale taught a curriculum that involved more law, <laughs> could we expect more <laughs> compliance from its graduates?
3: Sick burn, Ben. <laughs>
0: um,
4: I, I will, I will say, you know, it, it is a, uh, it's, if it's in terms of, uh, the, uh, the actual like legal arguments the education going into it yella you know, that's not really what they're focused on so i don't think really they can claim to have contributed much in that regard one way or the other because <laughs> they
0: teach so little law they couldn't have contributed into it one way or the other <laughs> it's law it's law law and something you don't know what the end right. is right really <laughs> law and insurrection you know, law, have law
4: to be and law and
2: violence for some impact to, to claim that one i'm thinking
0: I, I think, you know, Yale should, should run with it. I mean, they've got, they've got two major figures now in the insurrection. It's a very small school. So, I mean, per capita well, to con- contributors to the insurrection, it's, it's wildly overperforming.
1: I mean, we did have up until like two, three years ago, or four years ago, maybe a Calhoun College. I mean, <laughs> I mean <That's> <laughs> do you not you know. remember?
3: I think when I was there, there was the, uh, there was uh, it was the, it was the, it was the controversy over Calhoun College, and then <clears throat> there was also the controversy over the stained glass window. Do you remember this of the slaveholder? Yes, beating the slave um that was in like a cafeteria window and there was like a black cafeteria cafeteria worker that like threw something through the window one day and i think broke it and like was just like fuck this shit and i think that uh yeah anyways there was like a very i mean i think that that was around the same time as the calhoun discussion but that was that might have been like a little bit more like in the weeds. If you were at Yale, you heard about it very, a lot. Like, because it was like, these stained glass things are part of it, but yeah.
2: The Yale insurrection, I can feel it. I can kind of understand a bit better than the United States <laughs> yeah, <right>? insurrection. <laughs>
5: yeah. All right. No. I think
2: it's more from Princeton. Wasn't it the Southern University before the Civil War?
1: Yeah. Oh wait,
4: is um, that true? Yeah.
0: So, Um, that that, and of course, the University of Virginia. So, Scott, um, jokes aside, uh, uh, what is this seditious conspiracy case and why should we care?
4: Well, a seditious conspiracy case is. I
3: thought you were asking that, Scott, and like. He's not going to be able
4: to think. answer
0: that question. No, no. I, I was
4: directing the <laughs> so, question. I was just preparing a monologue. I was very <laughs> excited when <laughs> Benny
0: <laughs> To our um, guest, the way we normally direct questions on this show. I know, but like you said, Scott,
3: and they just like
0: God, sorry. <laughs> you know, sometimes I call him Admiral Scott uh, after uh, after uh, the discoverer of the South Pole or the first journey to the South Pole, but uh, nobody seems to get it. So I you know, I only do that interpersonally with, with Admiral Scott and I dress like a else...
4: for like two weeks of uh, staff meetings and nobody's still got it. So yeah, I, I, and, I, 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 I'm
1: going to ruin everything right now, guys, but like he also does that with me. <laughs> All right. Mr.
0: Anderson, which is what everybody <laughs> calls you. Um, uh, uh, what gives with this indictment? How big a deal is it? And uh, what, do, what do people need to know?
4: So, this is the latest iteration, the latest and greatest in efforts to prosecute the oath keepers. It's actually not just one new indictment, it's three new indictments that slice and dice the pre existing indictments of earlier oath keepers. Um, before, what, the 12th, I think, which was Wednesday, uh, when those new indictments were issued, uh, a bunch of Oath Keepers, I think 17 of them, maybe up to, up to 20 at some point, a couple of them pled out, were on charges for a more conventional criminal conspiracy. There's lots and lots of conspiracy statutes. There's 18 U.S.C. 371 uh, for like trying to interfere with electoral count certification, uh, among other criminal acts, like disposing of records, damaging federal property, things like that. Um, but that was just a conventional criminal conspiracy five-year sentence, um, and what didn't have a tie to a lot of these more laws, most of which date back to kind of the Reconstruction era, that uh, more specifically focus on various types of seditious acts, meaning efforts to disrupt the ability to enforce American law and undermine American governance. Um, so this super, this updated indictment, which is not superseding, actually takes nine of the defendants from that other case, peels them off attaches them to Stuart Rhodes wireless alumni, Stuart Rhodes uh, as well as another defendant and says you guys you 11 guys who were kind is of the the... Eye,
3: this is the guy who could have had a monocle but he instead chooses to have eyeglasses and an eye patch
4: yes it was an interesting <laughs> choice I, mean, I want to know if that was a thing at the time he was in small group cuz that would have been very very intimidating i, I feel like for steve to know yeah. the case i mean i'm longer. very curious
3: <laughs> sorry <laughs>
4: But also, where do you get a monocle these days? Because I've looked on Willie Parker and I have not seen any. But somewhere out there, if somebody somebody points me to (laughs)
3: them, break (laughs) it in
4: half, yeah, and squint hard with one eye. Um, But anyway, so it takes these eleven guys, charges them with seditious conspiracy, a conspiracy specifically to undermine. Uh, essentially, a U.S. government and the enforcement of federal law, a statute that's controversial in a variety of ways, most controversially, most recently, because Jeffrey Rosen suggested it could and perhaps should be used to prosecute people who occupied courthouses and were engaged in other forms of civil disobedience during the protests of 2020. Um, but prosecutes those 11 people for those and actually two related conspiracy charges, both of which relate to interfering with federal processes, the county certification, uh, and um, members of Congress trying to do their jobs still charges the other seven guys left over from the other indictment, which is now on number seven superseding indictment with the conventional criminal conspiracy. And then one guy randomly fell out. So they have a third indictment against one guy where they drop all the conspiracy charges and are just charging him with uh, it kind of intruding on federal policy and disrupting the procedure. Presumably because uh, my guess is because there's like no uh, effort to tie him, there's no evidence that he was actually conspiring coordinating with people. Um, I think the big takeaway from this is that uh, it's kind of notable they use this criminal provision. It's a serious one serious charges. Um, But the most interesting or most notable part about this is actually built the allegations, built the complaint or the indictment, I should say, around the specific coordination among these Oath Keepers leaders, specifically preparing for violence on January 6th. Um, to the extent that they actually, again, kicked out other Oath Keepers members who are on this pre-existing indictment or being charged under a separate broader conspiracy, but not seditious conspiracy. Uh, it's basically making the case that seditious conspiracy, you know, they're hinging it on this idea that these guys coordinated violent action to disrupt the government procedure. That's notable because that's that's not the sort of thing that President Trump... Or Roger Stone, or a lot of these other people associated with his effort, who people also want to be held accountable and have occasionally said should be charged with seditious conspiracy or a part of a seditious conspiracy. That's not the sort of thing that they did. Um, They weren't involved with that sort of very concrete logistical planning for violence on January 6th. Um, So I think it suggests that DOJ, at least under this version of their theory of seditious conspiracy, they're not going to bring charges against those people. They're instead using it very narrowly among. The people actually planning not just participating in planning the violence on january 6th that said we could well see it against the proud boys we could well see it used against other people who had that sort of direct involvement so that's my takeaway point and me and a bunch of co-authors have a a piece that went up on law fair maybe an hour or two ago um making that basic takeaway point
3: so i was watching some clips really quickly like on fox news that have like been circulating and there is apparently some member of like a person that was in all of these videos and was apparently the third, that the, the, the right is trying to make, I forget the guy's name, but the right is trying to act like he hasn't been charged with anything. Um, d- does anyone know who I'm talking about? It's like, they're basically kind of trying to, without saying it, say that basically he's an FBI informant and that he's pushing, it was a Tucker clip, and that he was put like this one particular actor Is seen in all of these videos encouraging people to move, and yet has not been indicted. And the FBI is explicitly, explicitly, this is the
0: person that they're trying to claim is a is an FBI. Yes, uh, no,
3: and the FBI to declared that he is not. And I'm I'm really sorry.
0: Well, no. He has specifically declared the 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 FBI does not comment on who may be an informant or or not. But he has specifically said he was not under at any time. Um, But he's not involved in this indictment, is that right? That's what I was asking.
4: No, I don't believe so. And and it's it's worth noting they've had four people flip already and plead guilty as part of their. Agree to cooperate with the government. Um, Now, that's very clearly like they got either they got more information at some point in the last few months or they've just kind of been holding it in reserve. Because the one thing that's new in this indictment is that they have conversations from a number of new Slack channels that were specifically identified as Oathkeeper leadership as like they have like three or four of them some are leadership for the organization some are leadership specifically in relation to january 6th or events of january 6th uh and so they do have new information they're bringing to bear in this indictment um i don't know if it's clear whether that's like something they just got in the last few months or whether something they've had for a while um but just didn't feel the need to use it and roll it out until they decided well We want to actually charge seditious conspiracies and we want to up our evidence and our allegations around the mens rea of saying they have this very specific intent to disrupt this federal process using violence.
3: I will just say that I have now reported out whether or not um, Rhodes had an eye while he was in small group at Yale and he did not, or he did, oh sorry, he did, he shot it out after small group at Yale and Jed Rubinfeld was his small group leader. And uh and um and uh, he was uh really out there, according to someone who was in his small group, um, and the Obama administration pushed him over the edge was, was the is the anonymous uh, reporting that I'm doing. Um, but this is uh, I think that this is uh, so, so, so basically
1: it was like, Kate, so it's like not our fault, it's Obama's fault. Yes. Thank
2: Obama. Okay. I was just wondering, like, how did it push him over the edge? Just him being there, the whole administration. It was because he was black. Yeah, I think that that was, <laughs> that was.
3: I mean, really, that's enough for anybody, right? I think that that's like, I that's like, that was a joke, I'm... everybody.
1: <laughs> we knew. Good okay. disclaimer. I mean, just to be really simplistic, do they, Do do they? Do they have the evidence? I mean, like based on what we know, like is it going to be a, a really hard thing to show the Mensrea that they intended to overthrow the it's government?
0: A hell of violence? a signal thread they got. <laughs>
4: It is a hell of a single thread. It is like exceptionally clear what they're planning, and we're planning well after January sixth. I think some of the last messages are in the indictment. Say on January seventeenth or twentieth, "Hey, I just bought seventeen thousand dollars worth of guns. I'm driving to Texas. I'll meet you there. Let's talk about next steps." So um, there is very it is it is really quite clear. In the signal thread. And what's interesting is, like, you really get a sense of the role each of them played. You know, there's one set of guys that's a quick response force. It's actually stationing itself in Virginia. Like, an interesting part of this is actually, like, DC gun laws appear to have actually deterred some of these guys from bringing in their heavier guns into the city. Uh, Instead, they stationed them out in Virginia and were ready to deploy, perhaps by boat, uh, to the Jefferson Memorial (laughs) to bring the guns in in the event uh, of uh, some sort of uh, incident, you know? so they had this like very very concrete sort of plan a lot of like military logic it reads like kind of like a weird larp these guys are involved in where they're telling each other commander and Using lots of weird military slang uh, in in strange ways, um, but it is it's very detailed, and you get a sense I, I of that. what they're sharing. That the lawfare
0: people call me commander. Uh, <laughs> I think it's it's important, you know, to and recognize. we only enter rooms in
4: stacks: stack one, That's stack right. two, exactly. single file, say. breach and entry. <laughs> exactly. The,
0: the one thing that I
2: think is like the the phrase. It, it uh-huh. wasn't there. Some statement that we're not getting through this without a civil war is like the the very uh-huh. memorable phrase from this gentleman. And one of the things that I was pondering is with all the speech that tends to take on this like militaristic tone and slight, when people just say, oh, I was just exaggerating for for effect, like I I think the stack channel is like probably going to prevent them from doing that, right? Or is it just the presence, like how much of the actions taken that day can be really traced within the indictment i have i only looked at it very briefly so i was curious to see like do they give specific people that were reporting to them or was it disenfranchised sorry
4: it was no i love it. all it's i want your like baby honestly that
3: sentence going so coherently gdf like i have no idea impressive. How
4: I have I have a one year old okay. at home and he's like just past the like polite little moan phase and I actually am so nostalgic for it, I'm realizing now as I listen to <laughs> listen to your baby. Um uh i was going to say it it is the it's very specific about very fact very uh specific about the acts they undertook on january 6th about the roles they're taking you get a sense of like this whole kind of strategy and vision they they build around now like there are parts of that that might fall apart under greater scrutiny right but they really built the case that like these guys set up assault teams like they have a stack one stack two they actually had that in prior indictments as well but here they really flesh it out a lot more and they describe how they a stack is like a SWAT or paramilitary tactic for entering a entering in a building. You either stack it or you wedge it. Uh, I guess They're kind of two different approaches. I've never done it myself. Uh, and so you are they actually set up these guys that approach single file line to breach the Capitol. You can see videos of them kind of marching through the crowd up to the doors of the Capitol in some of the videos of the day. Uh, and this kind of built the case saying like, oh no, that wasn't an accident. That wasn't just polite single file. That was a military tactic um and that feeds into the seditious conspiracy idea and Andrea, because it is deliberately intending to deploy violence to disrupt the, the operation of federal law
2: um, ignorant foreign questioner question here i'm just wondering how did they get this signal channel was it did the company
0: hand it over in the end
4: Oh, I don't... i kind of be surprised if Signal does that because, it's, because they, it's so part of their brand. My guess is they ended up... I don't even they think they have the them.
0: capacity to do that. I don't I mean, think they, they do. It, but, yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't saying. have it... It doesn't store on their servers. So I've yeah. been wondering yeah. this Why? for a
3: while. It's Signal. It's Signal. It's an end-to-end encrypted channel that they like... Right? So, so Scott, you're also kind of making the skeptical face and I like... <clears throat> I'm kind of like... Does this mean that basically they had... An, the only thing that could make any sense to me on this is that they had an infiltrator in that slack in that signal channel. No, you don't think so?
0: No, they have the cooperation of a couple of the defendants. It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody turned over their phone. Oh, right. Well, that's
3: uh-huh. what I'm that's what I'm saying. That's like the same we're yeah. saying the same thing. It wasn't that signal turned over anything because they wouldn't exactly. have that information. It was that there was right, someone right. in the channel.
4: And Sorry. no one I think that's right. I'm surprised. <laughs> That's what I'm surprised Wait, think, by is that they didn't set up to delete automatically, which I actually thought was a default setting no, on Signal.
1: I think it's. But like no, but, that, 8, it, but of course it doesn't matter because you can always screen cap. I mean. Right. Exactly. That, but they'd have to
4: have somebody trying to screen cap before that, like when it was happening. Flex. Yeah. No. I yeah. think this but is they, somebody they, they who, was after quick, the
0: fact, uh, decided would, to cooperate and turned over their phone, and the things were not set to. I don't think this was a real time. Uh, 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 effort by somebody to inform on the group i think this was they uh somebody did not have those default settings set appropriately and uh and is now cooperating turned over his
4: phone and screw the others that's my guess i think that's what makes the most sense
2: do you think there's a high likelihood of conviction in this or is it like most cases kind of a crapshoot
4: no a i i th- they've got they've they check all the elements they seem to have strong evidence they've already got people playing out uh admittedly to different charges but like this is they they have taken the seditious conspiracy statute that is controversial in part because in theory it could be used to apply to all sorts of civil disobedience and other sort of actions and they have found these people who have committed this set of crimes that is so within the heart of that it's almost the least controversial part of it because they're literally and they've got strong evidence showing they specifically intended to deploy violence to stop a legal process of the federal government um so you know i think they've got as as strong a case as you could ask for at this point if all this evidence actually shows what it says it says in the indictment now maybe again there are nuances and things we're lacking because we don't have the whole slack record but i'd be a little surprised because it does not seem like there's a lot of shades of gray about what's happening um but again that's that's a choice on doj's part like that's what i think to me is the the part that some people might find disheartening it means that i don't think we're going to see seditious conspiracy charges against donald trump roger stone or any of these people Uh, i don't think we ever i never really thought we were but certainly this model of seditious conspiracy that the garland doj is willing to pursue is a narrow one and a pretty high threshold and and even, even among, remember, there's just some of the Oath Keepers, like other Oath Keepers aren't being included in this indictment, who were there on January 6th kicking down doors, but because they weren't actively planning it, they said, nope, we're not going to make that seditious conspiracy. We're going to focus on the leaders who have the clearest signs of that intent. And that's just hard to do with a lot of the other people who are around and might have moral responsibility for what happened on January 6th, but I don't think they're going to see, see them get charged this way. Maybe it's different for like you know. Some people say some members of Congress handed over maps and were like giving directions about where to go. That's like the one group that you could see that actually fitting in here, if that's the level of operational coordination they have. But you know, anything short of that, I, I have trouble seeing fit within the scope of this conspiracy.
1: Do, do you do you worry that if uh, that like if Republicans come back to power in twenty twenty four that that punishment for sneezing will be seditious conspiracy that is like i mean it's it's just it's such a powerful labeling tool and once it's used it gets used in response like almost completely independently of the reasons why it was used
4: yeah, you know, I think that is like channeling the concern a lot of people have over seditious conspiracy and other sedition and sedition related crimes. Like, I I, I don't know. I don't see like the naming element of this actually weighing in that much. And I think there's a reason DOJ, like like seditious conspiracy has been used a number of times in the past, used bunch of, I guess a bunch of
0: Al-Qaeda informants. Including recently.
4: Yeah, including in the last you know, 10 I'm years, the- certainly. Um,
0: well, and, and you know, the Sheikh Omar Abdul Rahman right. case... And the case of the group of people around him was a seditious conspiracy case. And I I don't recall a lot of people saying, hey, if you plan to blow up the Holland Tunnel and, you know, kill, you know, have a reign of terror in New York uh, and you do it to overthrow the government uh, and replace it with an Islamist, uh, uh, you know, sort of Taliban like autocracy. Uh, that that really per, you know uh there's a slippery slope there um and <laughs> like and this is i, I mean this is uh, um kind of the same thing if you plan to attack the capital in order to prevent the peaceful transition of power violently and by the way you then do it um i'm just like and you with specific intent uh, and, 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 tra- and
1: the and the and the trolley is going straight down the track <laughs> and you went to law school
4: um, right. you know I,
1: it's guilty I,
4: I will say like the one thing to bear in mind about this is seditious conspiracy is in this like universe of other mostly like reconstruction era criminal statutes and a lot of them have another it does not have an element that i think actually is more problematic the other ones do have which is uh this disqualification from public office that Um, uh, you know, the insurrection prohibition uh, that is in the U.S. code prior to seditious conspiracy does have, as do a number of other provisions, which are all using like the 14th Amendment's provision saying, hey, like if you commit basically insurrection, you can be disqualified from public office. Um, And like, I find those, because there's lots of other federal statutes that you can use to prosecute people who break into building federal buildings and interrupt federal proceedings you don't need to use seditious conspiracy and a seditious conspiracy is just one more way to get at jail time so there's not really a reason to use it most of the time for the part of the reason yeah. i don't think you see doj turning it to it often if they want to start disqualifying people from public office they'd have to turn those other statutes i find that more worrisome cuz i find that to be a po- problematic practice and one that'd be more ripe for abuse in ways that the criminal code doesn't already facilitate that's part of the reason why i'm also just generally not that bullish on the idea of using the 14th amendment to disqualify people separate from criminal charges either um, but um i know some people are i find it i think I that's th- the sort of thing that you will see people doing crazy things to former Black Lives Matters protesters. and other I mean, look, I, I more dangerous. I agree. Dangerous. I, agree I am. Yeah.
0: I am all for litigating this shit on a case by case basis, <laughs> and you know, based on something good, round, and based vague, on local norms and jury, like the totality yeah. of the circumstances test.
4: Right. Legisl- state legislatures could also, in theory, exactly. start doing exactly.
0: I'm all
3: right. Really quickly, um, but before I do, I just wanted to ask you really quickly, um, related to your 14th Amendment, kind of your 14th Amendment point, the current uh, movement against Smith and Cawthorn, um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but have you guys watched this, that they're basically trying to get him off the ballot uh, for re-election in the House uh, based on his support of the insurrectionists under the 14th Amendment? Um, and there is a peti- I think it's a petition circulating is like the current stage of litigation. things, or like it's litigation. Is it litigation? It's more than petition. Yeah, OK, uh, th- I thought that there was something filed in court and I was just trying to, like, figure out, like, where I mean, I guess you file it into the 14th Amendment. But there's like um, I'm curious whether they file it in state and federal. But um, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are. I haven't looked at much of it, obviously. I just was like, you know, saw the headline and like read the read the clip and. Yeah, but Alicia, it's so great to see you uh, keep hosting with the mosting and uh, Scott uh, other Scott. It was This was lovely.
0: Yes, yeah, so oh, yeah. thoughts on Madison Cawthorn.
4: It's a really interesting case. I need to read it a little more. I haven't gotten to read uh, the actual filing yet. Um, What I will say is like, so, you know, the 14th Amendment kicks open this possibility that you can start disqualifying people from public office. I looked into this. On January 6th, there was an insurrection. I should say, December 31st, my wife was due with the baby. January 6th, there was an insurrection. January 9th, we had the baby. For those two days, I very seriously tried to write a piece about the 14th Amendment issues and then have not had a chance to look at it again uh, since I had that baby. Um, So I'm doing this for members. And maybe a little fuzzy, but from the history I remember looking at is that there's actually a lot of confusion uh, after in the Reconstruction era about how on earth you would implement the 14th Amendment bet. And they ended up actually passing a law, Congress said, assigning and making a responsibility of U.S. attorneys to proactively go and file these Suits in local, state, and federal courts um, to disqualify federal officials, federal and state and local officials um, who had participated in the Confederacy. Uh, And so there was this actually like very deliberate policy to go about doing this, but it was driven by the executive branch. Um, So I strongly suspect, and I should should note also state legislatures and at one point Congress, although actually for anarchists uh, not related to the Reconstruction or Civil War, actually proactively voted to. some of their members um, because they were involved in the Confederacy were involved in the anarchist movement but absent either the federal government making that sort of step or a legislature or somebody else implementing the fourth amendment that way I'm not sure like a private plaintiff could just sue over it because it's not clear to me that it's that automatic that the courts are gonna proactively say, oh yeah, we're gonna interpret where the contours of the 14th Amendment are without any guidance from uh, a policy body implementing it. Um, That's my guess about why that has the biggest problem. Um, But if some state legislature decides to act on it at some point, um, that raises a whole bucket of other questions because there there is historical precedent for that.
0: All right, Uh, Alicia, Scott, Shapiro, do either of you have any other questions before we go to the audience?
2: I have one other, and I just need to make the horrible statement to how ironic it is that a bunch of conspiracy theorists are being brought up on conspiracy charges. But that's not what I want to ask. Uh, Do you see any way to actually hold politicians who may have been instigators, if nothing else, in this accountable beyond them not getting elected again? Because I'm a little afraid, given that some of the polling on the Republican side seems to suggest that there shouldn't even be an investigation on January 6th, that that might not work out. Are there other things that could be done?
4: Uh, you know, it, it depends on like the role and involvement. If it is a, a degree of coordination or involvement, I think there are, might be legal remedies at various points. I suspect there may be more civil than criminal goal. but like, look, the remedy that was intended for all this is impeachment. Um, Cause there was kind of assumption that like these sorts of things would be uh, vile enough to encourage people to impeach people for doing it. And that really was the main accountability mechanism for the presidency in a lot of regards, or at least uh, through in the views of a lot of people throughout American history. Um, um, so I'm not sure there is any any more concrete method for legal accountability. Um, kind of a bummer, but I, that, that's my guess. That's my gut instinct. Until proven otherwise, I'm assuming there's not.
0: Scott, you got anything else?
1: Uh, just to agree and just to say that, like, you can't, if you can't pull off something politically, you shouldn't try to do it legally. Because, um, yeah, yeah. it, like, you know, get into problems, but over to you.
0: Richard Wattenbarger, the floor is yours. I can't unmute you, though. Can you unmute yourself? Hmm. I'm going to bring on, I'm going to let Jared ask Jared's question uh, uh, while we figure out your mute situation. Jared, the floor is yours.
1: Hi, uh, I have a question you kind of touched on a piece of it already, which is the, the encrypted thing, which is that uh, they quoted extensively from signal uh, in the indictment so i'm curious if this indicates that end to end encryption is less of a problem in practice, than the government has argued in the past.
0: yeah so Scott, do you have thoughts on this either Scott
4: I, I definitely do. I, I don't think this speaks much to that, just because it looks like there is. A, it, it, I'm assuming there is an informant. Um, if there wasn't, I mean, the the going black problem has always been when you don't have an informant or somebody with access to these sorts of systems. So um, I don't think this really bears on it. Now, if it comes out that in fact. They got a, they don't have an informant they got around this uh, you know hiring some private firm to hack into signal somehow which I don't think is the case or or technical, technically feasible by my understanding of the technology um, then that's a different story but otherwise as is you know it's always been true like no matter how secure your codes are your systems or your communications like you got a man on the inside you can get into it that's not going to change um, so I don't think it actually bears on that debate too much I
1: I, I would just say that I think it, does because the people who have the privacy side of the in the going dark debate who say that there needs to be end-to-end encryption without any back doors um, and stuff. uh, What they say is that like it's true that now with easy to use encryption, uh, encrypted communications are a problem. But it's also true that there have been so many other type of ways of investigating crimes which have been which which show that state power is actually growing rather than receding because of encryption. So the fact that even when you use an end to end encrypted device, they can still build this seditious conspiracy case. I think it kind of goes to like the sense of whether how urgent um, uh, this is. Anyway, but I, I, I reasonably people can differ here.
4: Yeah. So I no, I, I agree. I agree with that. I, I think that makes sense.
1: I sort of disagree
0: with that. I think the problem in end to end with end to end has never been with large numbers. Um, if you have ten people on a thread, and the government has case against three of them. One of them's going to crack and they're going to turn over their phone. That has never been the issue. The issue is the following Alicia and I communicate only by Signal for reasons having nothing to do with anything except that's the app we use. If we were conspiring uh, to do something horribly illegal um, and vile, uh, that would be very, very hard to access. And without one of our cooperation, it's probably beyond the capacity of, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of math that says you can't do it. Uh, now, uh, and, and so in the situation in which the circle of communication is large, this is a surmountable problem and this is an example of it. In the context of, of small group communication, uh, particularly tight network communication, it's a very, very hard problem, and this doesn't address it one way or the other.
4: I will say, though, like, but I think it talks about scale of the problem because a small conspiracy of two people just can't accomplish as much as a conspiracy of 10 to 20 to 30 people. Um, but right, I take your point, yeah. I don't know,
0: All All right. I would get pretty bored. I mean, the I mean, I <laughs> just want to say, if to the FBI Not or the Royal Canadian Mounted Police... We want to be I, I, ecumenical in our law enforcement thing here. But uh, if you guys want to come after Alicia in my communication, you're going to get a lot of, uh, c- you know, questions about dog shirts. We're and, 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 uh, already I just, accused
2: of conspiracies so often. I mean, why not?
1: Right. I would just, I would say that, um, like, this is partly a, a joke, but, but, but um, it's that, um, I mean, like, here, here, it, it's unlikely just to be you and your co-conspirator. I mean, you, you appear on a show every day. Um, but, but, and I don't mean like, okay, you particularly appear on a show. Like we all, we're all we all broadcasting and sharing stuff, or our friends are broadcasting, sharing stuff about us. That that's,
0: that's exactly right.
1: Right. And so there's a way in which it seems as if, like from an other perspectives like the the ability of the state to gather information has grown quite substantially and so it's not clear to me that like like that that, that, that things are receding away from the government it's just that its progress it's being slowed somewhat
0: richard wattenberger this or, time the floor is really yours and you're unmuted can you hear me you can hear oh, me oh yes Hello, everybody. Don't Hi, abuse Alicia, it, welcome. Hi, so, um,
1: so, my question,
0: uh, getting back to this issue of of legislators who might be involved, and in, besides the need to gather sufficient evidence, what kind of considerations will the Justice Department take into account in case in the cases of any legislators legislators that might have been involved with the uh, supporting the insurrectionists? And is there any, do we have much public in, from publicly available information to suggest that uh, some of them have actually done uh, things that uh, demand indictments? Great question. Scott?
4: Yeah, it's a good question. You know, there's a Rolling Stone article maybe a month or two ago. I can't remember exactly when that, it, I, I feel like what kicked off this whole conversation about members of Congress' direct involvement in, because I had a bunch of reporting, although it was not publicly sourced and like, you know, I think it's it, the reason I don't did not believe it any more than the other media reporting, but, you know, you would want to dig deeper if you were building a case. Um, but basically saying, look, a bunch of these members of Congress and their chiefs of staff and senior staff people were in touch with people coordinating the January 6th rally. Um, and again, I think that's where this allegation that some people handed over maps may have come in, things like that, you know, Uh, again, all of this sort of activity is not necessarily adjacent to the seditious conspiracy conduct, which again is very specifically coordinating for violence, you know, guns, Quick, you know, quick response forces, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think it necessarily gets there. Could you get to some broader conspiracy under, you know, a general criminal conspiracy to interfere with the um, electoral count, or there are separate ones about interfering with members of Congress trying to do their jobs or with other federal proceedings? Maybe, yeah, maybe. But it would really you'd have to build a pretty strong case of intent that they would and they knew what they were doing and knew what they were intending to do. And with you know, I think members of Congress like. There are, variety for political reasons, DOJ is going to be a lot more sensitive around it and tread really lightly unless there's pretty damning smoking gun. Um, You know, there, I I try to think what, I mean, other than speech and debate, I don't think there's any necessarily constitutional barrier, but like uh, speech and debate slash like things that get into separation of powers to speech, I don't think would really be implicated here, but maybe um, there'd be some observation, but I think it's much more about the optics of political uh nexus that they might be hesitant a little bit uh and perhaps most importantly like you have the January 6th committee beginning to do some of this work themselves so DOJ I suspect will kind of follow in the wake of that we can scoop up whatever information they come out there's this question about the extent to which they're going to be able to get information out of Kevin McCarthy and others and subpoena them um for the information I know there's legal debate around that Mike Stern like a Pretty well-regarded former congressional lawyer i think was quoted in the wall street journal today somewhere else today that got passed around the Lawfare slack saying basically he's like oh yeah i think people the committee can totally get information out of its members there's no legal reason it can't it just might be a heavy lift in the limited time frame that the committee has left so you know but that committee is better positioned to at least have these fights than doj is going to want to because of the political valence so um Long story short, I, I just don't. I don't think there's necessarily a big legal barriers as political barriers, but I still don't think DMJ is going to get stick their necks into it unnecessarily.
2: Do you think that the January sixth committee or commission will have enough time to dig into the social media aspect of this that was announced yesterday? The subpoenas that were sent out. How long will it exist?
4: That's a good question. Uh, you know, it all hinges on the election, right? Like, I think it'll, the, it's, It's. we know it will exist through January 2nd is the default date, although Congress can change it about when the next Congress will get sworn in after the next election. So it exists that far. Um, they have said they want to wrap up their duties and wrap up their, like, main thrust of their investigation uh, in the fall to give some time before the election, uh, although that seems, like, very optimistic. Um, I really have always thought of the January 2nd date as the real drop-dead date. Um, now, look, Democrats, keep. The house then they can keep going but if they don't they're they'll probably shut down at that point um does that leave them enough time uh you know I, it depends on what they're trying to do with it to get like a complete picture no maybe to get if there's very specific information in the universe what they're asking for and particularly if they can get the companies to prioritize it maybe there's more there um they may just want to get the request rolling in hopes that it um you know generates the data. Even if somebody else can do something with it, they can get it back by January 2nd, they can release it or put it somewhere else it will be accessible to others. Um, I'm not sure exactly. So we have two uh, conceptually
0: related questions, one from Larky and one from Mateo. I'm just gonna group them together. Gentlemen, uh, the floor is yours in alphabetical order of first name.
4: LM. Well, you'll know, you're not talking about my first name. That's the problem. Uh, Uh, Well, it's the uh, only
0: name I got for you,
4: dude. It's true. It's true. I was doing the math in my head for some reason. Um, So the question I asked is, uh, does the fact that I went to a less prestigious law school mean it'll be harder for me to uh, have a leadership position in a a murderous insurrection, Uh, which is sort of a joke question. Which leads no, to it going to hurt you.
1: I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's, yeah, which it's,
4: is, it just... I, I think most head to most like violent attraction groups are. It's really kind of like a small Ivy, like it's a Cornell crowd, uh, and that's really what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, so that's that's really the sweet spot of where it is because it's all it's because Ithaca does terrible things to people. So I think that's really uh, the the heart of it. So don't 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 worry about it too much. So all is right. there
0: anything? so that wait hold the serious question for a minute we got to get mateo in here on the on the i'm very sorry my question is deadly serious i think i've blown the lid off of this thing um i've been thinking about it and um it occurs to me that perhaps january 6th was a false flag operation uh whereby the law school administration plucked roads from obscurity and orchestrated this whole thing just to distract from some, from some um, recent uh, public
4: relations uh, issues that 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 they've had.
0: What do you think, Scott uh, Shapiro? Is that is that uh, should we be looking at Heather Gurkin here?
1: Um, I actually don't know what um, uh, stories you're referring to. Um, I know that there's been a lot of discussion about us keeping torts in the first semester. Oh, and um, retirement stuff like that. Well, that no, no. I mean, and, and that that's really been a hot button issue for us. Um, but I so but I don't I don't think that although this that would be a good idea to get it away from the people who want to replace it with regulation or something. Um, that would have been like a very clever thing for. Uh, Dean Gherkin to do. But other than that, I really don't know any other stories. In, <laughs> Our, in the, all right, in, in Mr. Larkey,
0: you, the, you have a, an actual question?
4: Well, the the sort of non-joke version is, is, besides basically it being funny, is there any reason to talk about the fact that all these very intelligent, highly credentialed, highly educated people are involved? Or is it just, you know, very uh, motivated people will be successful and no matter what they do, including, you know, leading murderous
0: insurrections. (laughs) That's a good question. What do you, what do you think, Scott? Is is there any actual substance to, um, to the, uh, uh, to the Yale law school angle of this, or is it just schadenfreude? You
4: know, it's, it's a good question, uh, in a way. Like, the what I will say is this like, you know, I think the 2000s era was a period where, if you were already inclined to be hostile towards the executive branch and federal government, like a lot of what was happening in the post 911 era was very scary. Uh, and this is something that, uh, we know Mr. Rhodes was very interested in. Again, he wrote this. Prize-winning um, uh, SAW topic on this. Uh, that was not. That was not bad. I, I skimmed it. I need to read it in more detail. I uh, when At one that time, he was a student and was involved in kind of studying this stuff. I think he was a veteran. He was, he was a veteran at the time. Um, and like, so you can see, and particularly, you know, YLS. I do think, at the, certainly, when I was there, I'm sure it wasn't that different ten years earlier. I'm sure it's not that different now. Like, embraced very consciously, uh, and in a way that I appreciated at the time, and I could to appreciate even if I don't always fully agree with it its position as a uh, critical institution, challenging uh, structures of authority and trying to undermine them and act as a hub of resistance. Um, And so I don't think it's actually, I think there actually might be like a little bit of a nexus there uh, as a legitimating framework and kind of uh, uh, putting uh, Mr. Rhodes in the mindset of saying, man, what the executive branch is doing is a real problem and needs to be opposed. It just seems to have gone in a very, very different direction than I think most alumni go, I don't think, while bears responsibility for that. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of things he was concerned about. Lots of people were concerned about at the time. And, um, you know, it, it, maybe it started around a trajectory of went from healthy skepticism to uh, unhealthy skepticism of government.
0: Alicia, do you have, is there a Canadian uh, obsession with uh, making fun of YLS? Or is there some institution uh, in Canada, like the University of Toronto Law School, that that uh people take as much pleasure in when when ut people become insurrectionists as as i do when when yale law school people do
2: see when you said institution it took away my answer because really for us it's americans
4: I also yeah. a I was, quarter a quarter of my law school small group was Canadian, something like that. So I don't know what they're cooking up, but uh Nadia and Rory, if you're out there, uh, we're, we're I keeping our eyes on you.
2: You'd take Gavin McKinnis, like I mean co founder of Proud Boys, just take him and uh Dustin Bieber. No connection. Just take them both.
1: No no, right that's right. So you're 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 you have some complicity in this too. Right? Because <laughs> Because McGinnis is Canadian.
2: Well, yes, but is this? I was going to ask this earlier. I, 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 no, wait, day no. Day. no yeah, I'm asking that...
1: Alicia. I'm asking the questions. Okay. <laughs> I'm not the guest. Um, we we all have plenary authority to just <laughs> no. Um, I I I I just say I was doing this to show how unjust and unfair it is to. Use guilt by right, association. Yeah, yeah so yeah. right, this was a I, teachable moment, right.
2: I wanted to help you early on in the show and then I thought better of it because then I figured <laughs> you would try to play in Canada for the and
1: everything else. Right, okay, well that's good to keep your powder dry. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I am trying to bring in Zunyi for the last question. Um, uh, we'll see if uh, uh, the tech is working for some reason. Oh, there she is hello it's been a long time yes it has happy new year everyone welcome back thank you you get the last question commenty thing today
5: well I just wanted to kind of set the stage for people that don't remember that the government is quite familiar with Stuart Rhodes and the Oath Keepers and we have the Bundy standoff during the administration they he was right there the Malheur occupation in Oregon, um, which is a huge case um, that did have conspiracy charges—not seditious conspiracy—but it was the Oath Keepers that did the occupation for 40 days. Um, and the, uh, uh, I mean, he's recently been out in Portland during all the chaos that was going on in Portland protests. And um, the thing that I have concerns about is that. In the um, DOJ case, the conspiracy charges, the leadership was acquitted. Uh, this is obviously the totally different cases and things like that, but that was the like real big charge, and they were acquitted. So it makes me concerned. And then the other part of it is, is that given the Oath Keepers and Stuart Rhodes behavior, I mean, we don't want to live in a monitoring state or anything like that, but I. How is it possible that the government wasn't doing knock and talks with him um, before January 6th? I mean, it's just I it get I'm just still shocked that we haven't heard enough from the FBI about what they were doing prior to this. I don't know how Ray keeps his position. Apologies I'm for Ray fans. I'm not anti Ray. It's just really concerned about the FBI. And so I'm just wondering your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, so let's let's reserve the question of FBI failure because uh, I've actually we actually are maybe doing a show on that next week, and I I want to both Quinta Jurassic and Pete Struck have been thinking a lot about this as have I, and so I want actually want to do a a a show specifically about this. Um, but yeah, so w- Scott, what do we know about? monitoring specifically of Stuart Rhodes and Oath Keepers after the Bundy occupation up through January 6th?
4: It's a good question. I don't know. The one thing I will say is, I strongly suspect the FBI has been monitoring them and was monitoring them. And there is this question about, like, you know, Trump administration policies, how they focused and thought about domestic violence. But, uh, you know, we know that the FBI was actively involved in monitoring the people who were involved in Governor Whitmer's uh, uh, attempted abduction. Um, because there have been a number of FBI witnesses that have caused a lot of problems for the prosecution, including some allegedly double agents, triple agents, I don't know what number agents they are at that point. Um, others that have kind of like produced kind of flawed evidence, but they had a number of informants in that group, which was a far lower profile than the Oath Keepers. What I would say is that like, if you've got those people, there's no reason to trot them out if you don't need them to build your case. And if they got the signal evidence and they can, you know, Get that signal evidence into court, you know, chain of connection, they don't need to talk about it. And why would they? Um, It's just going to hurt their case and complicate things and blow somebody who might still be gathering information on a group that's still active and still out there. So um, I strongly suspect their FBI is doing more than we are aware of um maybe not enough but more than we're getting just from this trial and is continuing to do so i will also say there is an amazing podcast everyone should listen to called bundyville podcast a series of essays by leah sutile who's an independent journalist um associated with npr and uh long reads um that has two seasons that talks all about uh, the origins of a lot of the right-wing patriot movement and related movements, uh, including that bleeds into the Oath Keepers, and frankly, of which the Oath Keepers is on the more sane side of the spectrum in a lot of regards. Uh, it is a phenomenal listen-slash-read. Everybody check yeah. it. I interviewed her for the Lawfare podcast last year, too. Um, and there so definitely is a, check that out. And there
0: is a, uh, a gentleman, uh, I'll just call him Casey for now, who is a longtime Lawfare reader and engager who is a elected official out in uh that area um and uh we should have him on to talk about uh uh the uh you know the interaction between those groups and and his community it's a it's a pretty interesting story you should we have are, leah we... leah
4: Cotilli, the host on too she's awesome i'm sure she'd be she'd be down to do it
1: when you said that the proud boys were the more rational of the of the extremists i thought i i thought of saying well you know the head did go to School. they did law school.
4: go to yale law school <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um,
0: well um we are going to leave it there on that positive note for yls <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh scott anderson you're a great american it's great to see you you're you you still have stuff to aspire to as a Yale law school grad. There's you know, like you're you can't now be the first Yale law school grad indicted for seditious conspiracy. But there are charges. But God damn never, it. I can
4: still be the second. You can be the
0: second. And there are charges that have never been leveled against a Yale law school student. Uh Uh, violation of the intellectual property of the Smokey, the bear logo, for example. Like there's stuff to work on here. Uh, Alicia Wanless, uh, you're a a lousy American, but you're a great Canadian. (laughs) Um, And uh, uh, we hope you will come back as a co-host in the future. Um, Absolutely. We're gonna be back a bunch of hours and 58 minutes from now. We're going to be with Preet Bharara on Monday. Preet is coming back to the show to, you know, to talk about what's on Preet's yeah. mind and that sort of shit. Uh, and uh, until then, Scott? Uh,
1: we can't have plenty more, but we can have elite institutions training the next generation of insurrectionists. Yeah. You Because we're not.